You're listening to the Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 16-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law and leadership topics, company leaders like CEOs, managers, and HR professionals would often ask me where can they find a little more information on this and a little more information on that. Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people only have 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to company leaders. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny podcast. So I'm celebrating my 50th episode release today. And in honor of that, I wanted to take a minute and thank you as my listener. It really means a lot to me that you're here with me. Um, I'm a huge believer in practicing gratitude in your life. Taking the time once a day, I do mine in the morning, but to just take that moment to write down some things you're grateful for in life. You know, some people follow methods of when or how much, but I, I don't. I just take a moment every morning to practice gratitude. Sometimes I write one thing um, I'm grateful for. Sometimes I write five. There's, you know, much published about the benefits of this after you put it into practice. Not only does it feel awesome, but it shows those around you your appreciation, even if you don't tell them that you wrote them down as uh, something that you're grateful for. Your thoughts go to a place where you're in touch with this gratitude and it connects you to why we live this life, I think. I, I think it connects you to the specific whys that you live this life. It grows you as a person and definitely as a leader. For me, you're the why I do this, created this, this legal skinny, you know, to help you grow as a leader. If you've been listening and you think because you know the definition of discrimination or understand how to accommodate under the ADA, that you've, quote, got the legal skinny, well, and that you've figured it out, um, of course I find all that important. But there's so much more in being a great leader than that. And that's why I'll continue to explore with you. And with 50 episodes in, I'm just getting started. This has been an interesting journey for me, and I love that you've joined me on the ride. I give a lot of presentations and speeches where I get to interact live with the attendees. And well, um, you know, podcasting, it's a little more different type of communication than that. It's, uh, it's totally still cool, but definitely different. So with that being said, if you like my show for whatever reason, I would love, love to have you drop me a review. You can tell me which episode uh, or topic you liked or uh, just say, hi, Trisha. <laughs> um, to do it is super easy. Go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash, then type the word review. And then uh, on that page, it tells you all the info you need to know about how to drop me a review. Now, if you're driving or unable to write it down, 
This link will be in the show notes, but don't forget, because again, I would love to hear from you. And if you're like, Trisha, I, I don't, uh, I don't like putting myself out there for anyone to read it. Uh, it's nobody's business. I'm listening to this chick in Texas talking about, well, whatever she talks about on the legal skinny. Look, I totally got you. Feel free to write it, uh, your review under an alias, you know, like a CEO dude or boss girl, uh, HR junkie, um, or Bigfoot, uh, or even Loch Ness monster. In fact, actually, I think my, uh, you know, my twins will think I'm cooler if I get a review from one of those last two anyway. And uh, again, so uh, that's www.legalskinny.com forward slash the word review. And it'll tell you the simple way to create a review. So for now, thanks again. And let's get to the topic for today. The workplace revolution. I have been wanting to talk about this for a while. I've been holding back actually, you know, watching some of this play out and it's still going to continue to play out, but I just had to, uh, had to get in here and do a podcast on it because it is so interesting and relevant right now. Back in episode 41, I talked about the changing Pfizer culture uh, and that their CEO, Dr. Berla discussed the new look they would be entering into with this flexibility at work home schedule. He said for those positions that could work from home virtually, that for when they were going to come into the office, Pfizer was exploring having it be something like where they would be coming into departments with areas uh, that were communal spaces and they would just, you know, find the space that they were going to work in for the day and that they would, you know, be surrounded then by their, their colleagues from that department. Now, before I get ahead of myself, it's not possible for all jobs in America to be telework. There, I said it. I really hope the EOC and the DOL was listening because much of their advice and guidance in the last year, in my humble opinion, has centered around the solution being just let the employee telework or work virtually. No, 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 no. You know, how is the line cook going to telework? What about the electrician that works on the manufacturing of a product? I could go on and on and on, but some jobs this just is not going to work for. I actually think Pfizer is a perfect example of this. And their CEO, Dr. Berlow, briefly mentioned uh, this um, when he was giving that interview, you know, that his laboratory people and the manufacturing people, the ones that created the the vaccine for COVID, some of those job duties required those workers to come into the Pfizer facilities to work. Yes, I know, mind blown. The COVID vaccine was not created by Billy in his home family room science lab with his seven-year-old doing virtual school in the other room and his dog running around barking. But what Dr. Berla did mention was that some of the individuals may be working in a lab for a couple days a week, but then they could combine their other work like research and that other independent work to maybe uh, in the future. um, And while they were doing this work this past year, uh, do a couple days at home or one day at home, uh, one day a week at home. So I thought that was interesting, actually, his uh, thought process as they're trying to figure this out, listening to you know, this company ponder the hybrid workplace. So I ask you, how hybrid or all virtual could you be in your company? If you were going to do this, or maybe you're already doing it, have you explored all the possibilities? And why consider this? Look, it's not a law, although arguably 
it will be looked at differently in terms of potential accommodations for certain positions under the ADA now that so many companies have done this. Um, but well, that's kind of for another podcast. But beyond that, you you don't have to technically, um, you know, your company doesn't have to do this for the whole workforce, right? So why consider this? One reason is that it's going there anyway. We are in the midst of a remote work revolution. Nationwide Mutual Insurance said remote working was going so well that they decided to make it permanent. In March, Ford said that for their North American workers, they'd be following a flexible hybrid model where they're on site for certain meetings or projects, but at home for their independent work. And Target announced it'd be ending the lease at one of its downtown Minneapolis headquarters buildings after telling employees that most office workers would follow a hybrid approach. Citigroup Chief Executive Gene Fraser said in a memo that the majority of workers would be designated as hybrid, working at least three days in the office. And in March 2021, Microsoft announced their commitment to a new modern workplace with a hybrid model. And lastly, I want to mention Google. You know, the place where everyone wants to go into work. After you hear about those Google offices around the world uh, with their vibrant colors and the play in action philosophy, you've heard about this, right? Where you can go into almost any Google offices and find a way to play from the climbing wall in Google Venice to uh, legit slides, uh, video games, pool, ping pong, or sand volleyball. Oh, and don't forget uh, Google's uh, workspaces, the, the funky collaborative seating spaces and free meals in the cafeteria. Wait, are you thinking you want to work for Google now? <laughs> Look, I get it. But anyway, the point is that even with all that, Google's moving to a hybrid work, work week. In a letter published by their CEO on May 5th, 2021, he states, we'll move to a hybrid work week where most Googlers and yes, I did not know they, they called them Googlers, but anyhow, where most Googlers spend approximately three days in the office and two days wherever they work best. Since in-office time will be focused on collaboration, your product areas and functions will help decide which days teams will come together in the office. There will also be roles that may need to be on site more than the three days a week due to the nature of their work. His letter also identified three other announcements this uh, work from anywhere weeks, uh, which uh, is pretty cool, uh, where Googlers will be able to temporarily work from a location other than their main office for up to four weeks per year with manager approval. And Google has some offices in some pretty cool places. Then there is this focus time he talks about where, where they'll offer focus hours to limit these internal meetings um, that can occur during times when people need to be heads down on projects. And I, I kind of love this because it's a major way to control these unneeded interruptions and unnecessary meetings. So if, if that's something that you find to be an issue, uh, definitely, I, I love that that idea to, to have this focus time so people aren't creating meetings all day for people. And some people just don't work productively, uh, you know, going in and out of that kind of space. They do need to have some focus time. So I like that. And then they say, uh, and lastly in his letter, he says, uh, they're going to continue to offer these extra reset days for employees to recharge that I guess they've been doing through the pandemic. 
which appears to be some type of company global day off. Uh, So uh, that's interesting as well. But it's not just the corporate giants jumping on the bandwagon or engaging in this revolution. Many small and medium-sized businesses in America have now experienced remote work. And some are taking the plunge to consider it a more permanent piece of their culture. So what are the positives and negatives of a hybrid or even fully remote workspace? Let's talk positives first. So the first positive I would like to talk about is performance and productivity, because that's that's where everyone is always like concerned, right? And in a two-year Stanford study, um, they took a deep dive into this. Specifically, Stanford Graduate School of Business professor Nicholas Bloom and co-researchers studied China's largest travel agency, C-Trip. The company's leaders of C-Trip were interested in the impact of working from home on productivity um, and how that would affect the productivity because, you know, they're headquartered in Shanghai where real estate is extremely expensive. So they allowed, um, you know, the Professor Nicholas Bloom and his co-researchers to do this study on their workers uh, that volunteered to participate. And, and they tracked two groups for about two years. Half the group worked from home for nine months, coming into the office one day a week. And the other half worked from home, um, I mean, worked from the office. And the results of the study were that the remote workers were more productive when outside the office and working from home. And they beat the control group by 13%. Professor Bloom said uh, in response to his study's results that it was a massive, massive improvement in performance. He said the two reasons were that people from home worked the full shift. They weren't taking long luncheons or having to leave early for personal reasons. And that they were able to concentrate better because they were not taken off task by distractions in the office. Interestingly enough, his study also found that resignations at the company dropped by 50% when the employees were allowed to work from home. The second positive would be costs. (laughs) Sorry, commercial real estate, but you're expensive. So if you go uh, hybrid um, with your company, the reconfiguration of how much you spend on commercial real estate is a big motivator because frankly, you need less space. Let's consider some of the different hybrid options. Say you create a community department with varying designs, and you could be formal with the designs of a handful of cubicles for solo workers and tables for group work, or possibly get super creative with the spaces so the employees feel they're in a coffee shop, you know, like the Google workspaces, where there are little booths or pods and community areas, all with the hookups to plug in, of course, for work. And if you want to see it, I guess, um, an example, I, I Google, um, Google, um, Google workspaces or Google, Google, Google. Yeah. Google, Google, <laughs> you get it. Uh, check out the Google workspaces and, and, and you'll see kind of, um, a, just a, an open glimpse into what a creative workspace, um, lo- might look like that sort of, um, description is is usually full of lots of color and and different ideas. I, I think they look much more colorful than most of the coffee shops I've even been in. But you can also have some groups work, you know, 
um, two weeks at home or every other week at home to ease the burden of how many will be in the space at that time, all resulting in less square footage being needed at the same time, hence less commercial rent. All right, that leaves us with number three. And well, it's competitive. Workers find the idea of working from home, many of them do, a benefit. And it would be a benefit over your competitors. And the reasons um, cited as to why they find this a benefit are not hard to guess. In a study by Owl Labs published in September 2019, you know, the top reasons that the workers found remote work to be a benefit included, no big surprise, to avoid a commute, uh, less stress, less office drama, better focus and productivity, and more time with family or for personal care like working out. If you're competing for talent, this is now part of the equation. And it's likely part of the questions you may get by talented candidates. Okay, let's, let's switch gears now. Let's talk negatives. One of the big negatives that's talked about is the, you know, the, the lack of face-to-face -face interaction. You know, the OMG, what does this do for company culture? Um, how will we interact? And for many, many company leaders, these are their thoughts you know, hybrid or full remote work is scary. And, and while they may have done it, you know, over the past year because it had to have been done, it's not something that they would have gone to willingly. <laughs> and I think, um, and they're all looking at ways to get back out of it. Um, and I, I think that's where the hybrid model is attractive because it creates a balance for your company to not abandon what was previously being done while still getting that competitive edge and still having the in-person experience. I think that's why most of the corporate giants I mentioned above, you know, uh, in, in the podcast earlier are, are going that route. I also think you have to be thoughtful in the whole picture about the different parts of the workforce. A senior level employee with experience is different than the newbie. And the newbie, you know, um, is going to be needing more training uh, implementations, whether you're virtual or not, and possibly a mentor um, in order for them to be successful. Because really, it is all about success. You set it up for success, and the employees feel good, the team's productive, the company makes money, and full remote or hybrid remote, it could be a win-win. Now, I think the fear of no culture in a remote work environment should be recognized as just that, a fear. Certainly, relationships can be created and a company can have a very clear culture even if everyone is virtual. And have a little faith in what you've already built because going virtual doesn't mean a culture is just gonna disappear overnight. And actually maybe take this opportunity to change or shift your culture if you feel it needs it or if you have a different vision. The other big negative I'll mention really isn't a negative, is not a negative if you take the appropriate steps. And I'm gonna call it failure to launch. <laughs> failure to launch, failing to understand how this will work for your business or your team. And then not setting the appropriate boundaries and policies and expectations to make it successful. So for me, while I think there is absolutely a lot of space for success in a hybrid or virtual workforce, 
you must be thoughtful in the implementation of the company structure that surrounds it. You must be thoughtful in the launch of this process, not just the tech, okay, which comes within its own challenges. And since I'm not your techie expert, I won't be getting into that. But I mean, when I say uh, boundaries, let's talk about that first. I'm talking about the complete understanding that everyone must have that remote, virtual, or even hybrid work does not mean throw the handbook policies out the window. Just because you're communicating using Microsoft Teams, Google, Monday, Slack, Zoom, Asana, or whatever, some which may have a cool text chat type feel, that this is still a business. These are bosses, colleagues, coworkers, not your besties, and the communications need to reflect that. If I was going to liken best practices of communication on virtual platforms to the standard in a dress code policy, I would say there's professional, semi-professional, and business casual. So no jeans with holes in it or flip-flops type of communication. Therefore, everyone needs to recognize the boundaries. No harassment. Friendly should not be flirting. Be very careful commenting on physical appearances. If you're not sure, don't. Weird memes or videos being sent around could come across strange or inappropriate, especially without context. Oh, direct messaging. This can be confusing in itself because of the online world. See, some people see DMs as a tool for private messaging. So, um, in you know, outside of the word context and, and for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> um, and so it can get pretty casual and possibly not like work appropriate pretty quick because it's used on all these other social media platforms in a non-work way. And you need to have possibly some thought about what's okay for your work environment and what is not. Be wary also um, uh, of using these platform forms for socials or alcohol type events. I, I think less inhibitions <laughs> lead to other problems. So, um, And I'll just leave it at that because, again, I think that's a whole podcast in itself. But um, those are just a few of my thoughts on this, but hopefully you get the idea. Discrimination, sexual harassment, retaliation, and hostile work environment claims do not go away because you are virtual or hybrid. They may look different, but trust me, they are still there. And this all leads me to my second requirement for successful hybrid or virtual culture, which is, drum roll please, great policies. <laughs> You're thinking, oh geez, Trisha, more policies. Yes, yes, um, why not, right? <laughs> all the things I just mentioned, well, uh, they may not translate in your current policies. So you may have to revise, update, create some new lingo uh, and new policies so everybody knows what's going on. And I love it because uh, written policies, of course, because that's what I'm talking about, forces you to be thoughtful about the process. And you may be thinking, I'm just gonna, you know, see how this goes, Trisha. You've already kind of got me only halfway there. And, and you know, we're just gonna sort of test this out. And, you know, if an issue pops up, we'll deal with it. And then if necessary, we'll create a policy off of that. Hmm. Okay, sure. Good idea. Um, 
yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, let's think about that for a minute. Let's let's also do the same for let's say your car, and not just your car, but your 16 year old son who just learned to drive car. Let's just not get insurance for that kid or the car. I mean, he's 16. It's expensive. And what's the chances of anything happening? I mean, he's just driving locally. Let's just not worry about it. What do you think uh, about that? Do you think that's a good plan? No, that's not a plan. No policy equals no plan. No plan means no thought, which in the legal world translates to things like negligence and neglect and other worse things. See, you're not creating the virtual work policies for you. You're actually creating it for the employees to convey boundaries and to set them up to succeed. To set your managers up to succeed. Because in the case of your 16-year-old son, the other drivers are expecting you to buy him insurance, to set boundaries around his driving because you're responsible for his actions. As a company leader, you are often responsible for the actions of those you lead and not providing them policies to guide them is like leaving them with a toolbox and no tools. Which leads me to my last thought on these uh, workplace virtual hybrid situations. And that would be expectations. It's not enough to create boundaries or awesome policies. If you don't tell anybody about it, then nobody knows your expectations. Always use training as a tool to go over your policies and set forth your expectations. I know many of you might be thinking, well, what? we have them sign this acknowledgement of the policies. Yes, I know, but <laughs> this is a, a new concept for everybody, right? So uh, this may be something they've never seen before. Um, so it would be good to incorporate the training to make sure that everyone is on the same page or do your best to do so. Now, let me tell you something a little scary. People will violate these policies. <laughs> Don't freak out. Don't freak out when it happens, okay? Don't don't burn the house down or the policy manual. Don't throw in the towel and don't say, I, see, I knew this virtual stuff wouldn't work. You know, if it's not egregious enough to let the employee go, take that opportunity to open the lines of communication and understand what happened. Maybe you need an adjustment. Consider whether, you know, there's something in the policy you missed or something in, the, you know, the way it was implemented. Uh, which, you know, maybe just lead to retraining either to the individual or maybe um, everyone. Uh, so um, did I mention this is a, a remote work revolution? <laughs> You're not alone. And believe me, not every company has figured this out. What we do know is that unlike past remote work efforts, way in the past, the technology is here. It's the people policy management stuff you need to work out, including communication, management, and oversight. And it's really no longer an unknown if it can work because it can work. You know why we know that? Because there's tons of companies where their entire workforce is successfully remote and they are very, very productive. Small, medium, large companies. Some working with each other all across the world. 
My last thought goes back to Pfizer's CEO, Dr. Berla. In the Sherm interview where I saw him speak, he was asked about whether corporate travel would be different for his company. And he said, yes, no doubt we will travel less. But its explanation was an incredible insight into the way 2020 changed the world. They weren't going to travel less because they were worried about people getting sick. And it wasn't because after a year of virtually no travel that they thought communicating with other researchers and scientists across the world wasn't essential to moving the needle of scientific and medical research and invention forward. In fact, I think probably it was quite the opposite. The scientific and research community was desperate to communicate and collaborate in 2020 to figure the vaccine out. And so to paraphrase his words, Dr. Burles said it was because they discovered that scientists and researchers across the world could collaborate and be so highly productive in a virtual space that they were able to create the COVID-19 vaccine. Now that's just one story among many stories propelling this revolution. Workers have gotten a taste of it. Leaders have managed through it. Companies will seek managers with that skill set. And competitive workers will consider your virtual remote policies um, in whether they choose you or your competitor to work for. So these stories, these discoveries, they can't be undiscovered. Remote, virtual, or hybrid work is not the future story of the workplace. It is the present. To quote the great Bob Dylan, whom my dad turned me on to at a young age, the times they are a-changing. And that's the legal skinny on the workplace revolution. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. I would love for you to go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash review to learn the super simple way to leave me a review to tell me which topics and guests you like. I value your thoughts and your review helps me support more company leaders just like you to grow as a leader themselves and to grow successful teams. I also dropped the link in the show notes if that's easier for you. And while you're there, check out all the other resources I have for you as a company leader. And don't forget our disclaimer to remember legal skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.